Welcome to Playback by Playlister, the bi-weekly podcast where you can stay current on technology and leadership ideas that impact you. Here's today's host and Playlister CEO, Grant Glass. Hello, everybody. Uh, we are here with Jeremy O'Neill, and Jeremy is the Network Kids Lead at Sandals Church. We're excited to have him on the show today. Sandals Church is based in Riverside, California, and was founded by Pastor Matt Brown and his wife, Tammy, back in 1997. Sandals sees an average of about ten to 15,000 adults and kids every single week, so we're really excited to chat with Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Talked a little bit about Sandals Church, but maybe give me a, a better sense of Sandals Church and your guys' mission and what, what you're set out to do and how you help folks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, man, it's been an exciting season for for Sandals. Uh, you know, as you say, we've been around for a little over 21 years, and I feel like the first half of our church's existence was kind of, we're in this stage where we're a little homeless. We didn't have a primary building. We went from one place to another. Um, and, uh, and just within the last like eight years or so, we finally got our building of our own. And I think when that happened, we just started to explode, you know? And so some of these numbers you're talking about now, you know, it wasn't like that 10, 15 years ago. That's pretty, pretty recent for us. And so I think for us, we're just trying to keep up with the growth. You know, God is doing some really cool things through our church. And, you know, our vision is to create places where people can be real with themselves, real with God, real with others. And I feel like in today's landscape, that resonates with a lot of people. And so I think that's a big part of, of why we've been able to see life change, why people come back each week. And um, yeah, man, it's been exciting. You know, I joined the team almost two years ago, and I actually mapped it out. We, we looked at it because as it stands today, when this airs, we'll have launched our 10th location. And uh, there was a period of about 18 months where we went from three locations to nine. I mean, just let that sink in for a second, man. Six locations in 18 months. So, I mean, as you can imagine, our team is, is pretty agile because we have to be. And so it's just been a fun season of growth and just trying to keep up with what God's doing. There's so many good tidbits there. Uh, the the explosion and growth. And you guys have, I noticed on your website, it's real with ourselves, real with God real with others. Do you, do you think that type of mantra, yeah. that mindset has fueled the explosion? Like how, how do you explain that type of growth? Absolutely, man. I mean, here's the thing. We've got a ton of really great people at Sandals. I mean, there are a lot of smart people in the room, but I think all of us understand that this is something a little bit bigger than ourselves. You know, we're not growing because we're smart. We're growing because God's doing something here. And so I think mm-hmm. that vision um, has just been contagious. And I'll tell you what, our, our target audience is really those people who thought they'd never set foot in a church before. You know, we're not after these people who grew up in church and they're not here anymore. You know, our target is those people who are so far from God. And so when we see people walk into our church, I mean, we see people with broken marriages, broken families, broken homes, mm-hmm. broken people. And so to see them walk in and then see the life change that starts to happen when they realize that that this is a safe place where you can be real, where, where we understand that all of us kind of have our own things we're going through. Um, I think that's just so transformational for the people in our church, and, and we're just starting to see the fruit of that. Yeah, that's always interesting to me. It's come up a couple of times in interviews that I've done is getting new folks into the church and, and what those folks look like. 
because I know that's a difficult thing for a lot of churches and, and they just want to help. Do you find most people come to you in a moment of, of, of crisis? Yeah, you know, what? I, I would agree with that pretty strongly. You know, I always tell people um, on our team, there's really only one reason why people come to church for the first time. You know, people would love to say we did a really great marketing campaign or, or we invited a bunch of people or whatever. But that's not the reason why people actually show up. Like the, the only reason why people come to church for the first time is because nothing else was working. Like that's the bottom line, mm -hmm. right? Like church is no one's first response when things get difficult. Church is usually kind of a last resort. You know, they probably read a book. They probably read blogs. They probably talked to someone they trust. And, and all of that, you know, what we might call worldly wisdom probably failed them. And so this is kind of like a last ditch effort to get their life in order because nothing else is working. So, um, and I don't think that's just our church. I think that's every church. I think when people walk through our doors, I mean, it, it's kind of like they're, it's a cry for help. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes we're pretty passive when people show up for the first time because we don't want to scare them away. But the reality is they want to be helped. You know, that's been my experience. And I would expect it's pretty similar for other churches as well. So tell me a little bit what you do with those first, uh, folks coming in for the first time. Is this like a, <clears throat> a private welcome? Do you visit with them afterwards? Like, how do you typically treat somebody that's coming in new for the first time? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm only really privy to a piece of that. You know, I'm in kids ministry, so I'm focused on kids and parents. And so you know, I'm sure there's so much more to our strategy that our connections team could fill you in on. But um, you know, for us, we've got three primary environments in our church. You know, we're, we're super focused, like everything we do kind of fits into these. We say that, that you figure it out on the weekends. That's our first environment. Then we say you work it out in groups. That's our second environment. And lastly, we say you live it out on teams. So if we feel like we mm -hmm. can move someone from weekends to groups and then to teams, like that's kind of our pathway that we're going. So the quicker that we can get somebody from a seat in the auditorium to a sofa in, in someone's living room, like that's the win for us. You know, we're a group-based church. And so, you know, our answer to a lot of things is how can we get people in groups? Because we feel like that's your place to be real. That's your place to get to know other people. Uh, I mean, that's, that's your place to really build meaningful connections. And so as a team, as a kid's ministry and youth and all kinds of adult ministries, you know, our job is how do we get people in the groups? And then ultimately, how do we get them involved in the mission of our church and some kind of team? You know, so, you know, I don't think it's any kind of crazy plan. There's nothing unique that we do. We're just hyper-focused on getting people into a group. Yeah, and that, that hyper-focus and, and, and shepherding folks to that, that group, I'm sure is very uh, challenging yet rewarding as what you do day-to-day -day as the, the kids lead. Tell, tell me a little bit about your personal mission Jeremy, and your background a little more. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, man, when I was a kid, I, I was a weird kid. I feel like if you were to ask any 10-year-old kid, like, what they want to be when they grow up, they might say they want to be a police officer, a firefighter, or a professional athlete, or whatever. My answer to that when I was a kid was I wanted to be a front office executive for a major league baseball team. <laughs> like, I was so weird. That, that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. You know, there was one time in middle school where, you know, my dad and I, every year we would go to Arizona for preseason baseball games. 
And yeah. when I was like 13, I would bring a binder with me, you know, because this was before, like, you know, I could bring a, an iPad with me. I had a binder that I would bring with me and it had scouting reports of all the players. And I'm not talking about the major league roster. I was talking about like all the minor league players, these 18 year old kids that we just drafted. So um, I think at a young age, I, I was always kind of drawn to like, you know, how do you, how do you build teams? How do you, you know, structure things and, and whatnot. And um, so I kind of grew up with, with that kind of wiring. Um, I ultimately started serving in kids ministry when I was in high school. And I think that's where like this vision of, of, you know, partnering with parents and serving kids really grabbed a hold of me. Um, you know, I started to just read studies about kids um, where it's like, you know, studies both in and out of the church will tell you that by the age of 12, kids will really have formed their worldview uh, just about mm-hmm. life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and most studies, I think Barna was the one where it said 87% of those kids will never change that for the rest of their life. Wow. So, I mean, if that's how, if that's our reality, that these kids are yeah. doing that, I mean, I just feel like this is like ground zero. This is the best way to do it. So I'm just super passionate about serving kids. Cause I think that's the, uh, I mean, if you're looking to change a generation, I feel like kids ministry is where you got to start. Yeah, it is certainly ground zero. And it's, you know, how, how do you build a team at ground zero? There are so many challenges in the classroom today. Which, which ones do you find really are prevalent? Like, what, is the, what, is the, what are those three sets of challenges that you're seeing? Or maybe it's one big one, but what, what, do, what challenges are you overcoming and seeing in the classrooms on a day-to-day basis? Oh, man, I feel like there are so many ways we could go with this. I think, uh, you know, at the very base level, you know, I'll zoom out in a little bit and share my perspective and and my reality. But I think when you start at the kids level, you know, what we're seeing is that faith is just not a big part um, of our culture today. And I think maybe because we're in California, I I think we usually experience things kind of a little bit earlier than the rest of the country, Mm -hmm. not by a lot. I think that's Mm -hmm. changing a lot now, maybe, but you know, for, for the families in our area, uh, I mean, the Bible is not a book they've, they've opened up. It's not something they reference. You know, um, when we talk about, you know, Abraham and Isaac, people don't know what that is anymore. Um, so yeah. um, I, I think one of the realities that we face is, is we're trying to overcome this, this thing of biblical literacy. And so, um, you know, our curriculum team that we have at Sandals, you know, we design all our own stuff for kids. I think that's one of the big things that we care about is, you know, how can we make the Bible a bigger deal in, in the life of a kid? How can we make this um, valuable to them? Because it is. I think a lot of families just need to see that. You know, there's so much wisdom, so much value um, in having a relationship with God and doing things His way. And so I think that's something we're trying to overcome is this reality of, you know, faith is just not a priority in today's culture. Um, and so we're trying to kind of uh, do something about that as much as we can. I think the thing that I face, it's really difficult. And, and I think a lot of multi-site churches might, might agree with this is I kind of wrestle with this tension of like, how, how tightly do we control things so that we can kind of scale and keep up with stuff, you know, and our reality is, is a little bit different. I mean, we, you know, we have 10 locations right now. Um, but for us, all 10 of those are different. You know, part of our church growth strategy is, is that we partner with other churches. I mean, you might call it church merging. Um, and so what happens is we inherit someone's building and we renovate it, but we have no control over the general layout of it. I mean, we're inheriting a space and then we're just kind of remodeling it. 
And so every single one of our locations is different from the other. Um, so for us, it's really hard when we try and program because it's like, man, I, I may ask a kid's ministry to do a certain type of game in their large group room where they have all the kids together. And it may work in one environment where they have the space. Mm-hmm. And then in another one, maybe they don't have a large group room. Maybe they have, you know, a, a whole series of smaller rooms like classrooms. Um, so for us, we're trying to figure out, man, how do we how do we equip each one of those unique locations to win? like in their own environment, in their own way, um, at their own level, that's really hard. And so, you know, I, as, as a leader, have to kind of be open-handed with how we implement things. And I've got to be um, a little bit more thoughtful in how we structure things so that people have options. You know, I think our default mode when we started this whole thing was, man, everybody's going to do the same thing, the same time, the same way. And as much as we can, we want to do that. Um, but all of our environments are different. And it's not just the building, you know, I mean, we've got 10 locations, but each of those locations has a different group of people that we serve. You know, we've got one location in an area called Woodcrest and we've got, you know, really affluent young families there. Then I've got another area on, on the other side of the city that's got a lot of poverty, a lot of crime. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really struggling demographic. And so when you're talking about serving each one of those communities, it has to look a little bit different to reflect the people that we serve. Um, I mean, one prime example, um, you know, with curriculum and whatnot is um, at that location we were just talking about that kind of has a struggling demographic, a lot of stuff going on in their city. Um, We realized that that there's like a second grade small group that was trying to use the stuff that we designed for that age group and it wasn't working. Um, And we didn't notice Mm -hmm. it right away. Um, but we realized that in the city, the reading level was lower just because the school systems oh. weren't, weren't the same as, as some of the other cities. And so we had to start using some of our storybooks that we designed for four and five-year-olds with second graders um, over here. And so, you know, I think that was a wake-up mm. call for us that, oh, my gosh, like, you know, the needs of the people we serve are going to vary so much from one area to the next. And so we've got to be strategic about, you know, how do we kind of contextualize and make our stuff a little bit more modular so that people at each campus kind of have options. Um, that's a real tension for us to manage. And I think we still have a lot to figure out in that regard. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me trying to connect with generation Z. So generation Z are folks born 1996 or later. And the, I, I, I want to kind of go back to the first part of when you were talking about, they're not really exposed to anything faith related. I mean, and they might even think of prayer as a form of like meditation almost in a sense, if they even understand like prayer and and trying to expose them to to new ideas like that is fascinating. Maybe kind of talk me through some of the content that you do use. I've, I've talked to folks that, you know, will have lesson plans based off of Pixar movies. Because Pixar movies do pull in a lot of themes that you do see uh, in, in the Bible and associate it with adversity. And you can easily pull together uh, and do kind of like a remix where you're like, hey, you probably saw this movie. And then guess what? We're going to tie it into this part of scripture. That's just one example that I've overheard. What are some of the cool things that you do with some of your content? Is there a favorite one that comes to mind? Oh, man, dude, there are so many things that, that we tried. Man, I, I was referencing our curriculum team before, and 
I'll tell you what, I mean, this is a small and lean team, but they are some of the most creative people that I've ever seen in my life. And so, you know, the stuff they come up with series to series is really, really creative. Um, and uh, and it, it's always different. I think when you get a, a, a group of highly creative people uh, in the room, I think, you know, using one strategy over and over and over again is an idea that they usually don't like a whole lot. Um, so from one series to another, you know, we'll usually have something that's a different accent on it. And, you know, we don't necessarily tie into movies per se, but we usually try and build our own kind of theme and whatnot. I mean, we just finished a series called Beyond Bounds that we created. And it was all about like how Jesus bends heaven and earth to be with us. And we're talking about science and all this stuff. And so each week there are, you know, object lessons and experiments that we're doing. And the kids were like loving it, you know? And so, each time we do a series, we'll try different things. And so for that specific series, um, for the story videos for older kids, we decided to go with kind of like a podcast format. You know, we realized a lot of our kids, uh, at least in the California area, like they love podcasts. They watch a ton of YouTube. And so we kind of did the podcast, like video version of it um, for the story. And so we had a couple people from our curriculum team. They were in our studio where we uh, record the rest of our church's podcast. So like the kids got to see inside this really cool space. And then we would bring in little kids to be in the video and they'd help us with experiments. And we just have real talk. Um, and for some reason that resonated with kids when we kind of shifted yeah. things up a little bit where we didn't go with a traditional story video. We tried to figure out, Hey, what is it that kids love? Well, kids love YouTube right now. They watch hours of it. Mm -hmm. it, it you know, their parents let them, um, and they love podcasts. Mm -hmm. So Let's meet kids where they're at and try some of that. So, you know, for us, it may not be super big, flashy stuff. Usually it's, you know, a really creative method that we're trying to use um, that is similar to, to what kids are probably experiencing everywhere else in their world. Yeah, like everywhere else in the world. I, I can validate what you said. I, I uh, volunteer uh, to go in and teach a full day at a public school here in, in Indianapolis. I typically do it. Uh, once every couple of months, and I was with a group of second graders, and I teach entrepreneurship, and I, I asked them, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'll tell you, about 80% of the room raised their hand and said YouTube stars. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, gear this conversation too. all towards YouTube, and you can actually talk about, like, what is it like <laughs> to, to, to do that? And, and I totally agree. The kids get, became so much more engaged when you met them where, where they were. And, and, and mm. so that, I think that leads us to a good transition where we kind of talk about where are we going? So in the next few years, uh, I always think it's interesting, right? You're trying to communicate the oldest message ever, and sometimes you're using the newest technology available. So you're at this weird intersection, right? And I, and I love how you said kind of like you incorporate science into your talks where I think religion and science actually have a symbiotic relationship and it's almost like the mm -hmm. message and technology also have a symbiotic relationship and this generation z is so used to using technology in different kinds of ways to gravitate towards that message so in the next few years jeremy how do you see your organization and maybe other similars to you evolving to communicate with that that generation z yeah, I mean, I think I think there are so many directions it could go, and it's hard to tell where we'll land. But, 
Yeah, I think traditionally the church has been a little bit behind when it comes to innovating. And I think that that seems to be changing a little bit. I think we're having a little bit of a culture shift where I think church leaders are getting a whole lot more creative and really challenging, um, you know, what it is they do so that we can reach people in new and better ways. Um, You know, from a kid's ministry space, I I can't help but think that there's got to be, you know, within the next five to 10 years, I feel like there's got to be a renaissance in storytelling. I mean, I think we've kind of gotten, I, I mean, I'm going to be real here. I mean, I, I think we've kind of gotten a little bit lazy with our use of video. Video is so easy and so accessible these days that I think we just think, man, as long as I throw together a video, I'll be good. And this will be engaging for a kid. And I, I just don't fully agree with that. I think there is such thing as a bad video, you know? Um, and so I, I think there's got to be some other options in terms of how to communicate with kids in a way that's really engaging and interactive. You know, with the technology that's available now, um, you know, I look at something like the Google Home or an Amazon Echo or whatever, and I'm like, man, there's got to be a way where we could do stuff like that, where I could get a Google Home and I could put it in the middle of each small group um, on Sunday morning. And I could actually like write code so that there'd be an interactive game or a thing that we do together. Or I could do the same thing for an experience for a family at home. Like, you know, what if I created a thing for parents, um, you know, where there's something they could do with their kid and all they needed was a smart speaker in their home. I mean, I, I don't know the percentages on this, but I think there are a lot of homes across the country that already have one in it. They certainly already have one on their phone. So, you know, I think it's a matter of like, hey, this is a new medium. Like, what would it look like to actually incorporate faith and some of those activities within that? You know, I think one of the conversations we had um, a couple months ago was, um, you know, how do we make regular stuff a little bit more interactive? So with our curriculum at Sandals for our elementary kids, we we do video. Um, For our early childhood kids or little ones, you know, we design our own storybooks, and it's super cool. I mean, it's a print storybook. We go through it. Kids love it. Um, but I know we talked about this idea of, well, what, what would it look like to create more of an interactive kind of thing where, you know, instead of having a print storybook, what if I had that same graphic, that same design, I threw it up on a screen for all the kids to see, but then I also added a bunch of interactive elements, right? Let's imagine, you know, we're, we're telling the story of creation with, with our little ones. I mean, they love that story, you know? So on the screen behind the storyteller, you'd see this graphic of the Garden of Eden, all these beautiful animals and trees and plants and all of this stuff. You know, imagine as you're telling the story, right, you've got this this button for each animal that's on the screen and you can make the sound of that animal or the sound of the wind going through the trees. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that could make a kid's imagination go wild. And I don't think we're far off from making that happen. I think a lot of the pieces are already available to us. I think it's a matter of being creative about how we put them all together. Um, So I've got to think that, you know, we can expand our thinking from like video is our only good option to, man, there's a whole host of opportunities with smart speakers, with virtual reality, with interactive storybooks. Um, I think over the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot more options in terms of how to really relate and engage with kids. Yeah, I agree. And it's so important. I'm going to go back to what you said, just being at ground zero. I often think that, uh, what you're doing every single day, Jeremy, has a huge impact on your organization just because if the kids love it and they're interacting with it, they want to come back. And if they want to come back, then it's easy, right? Then the whole family gets in the car and goes because that engaging content and it's teaching an important lesson, but they got to be able to engage in it. 
and have that FaceTime mm-hmm. with your staff and then feel like they're actually part of the content and not just plop down. Like you said, there is such thing as bad videos. Believe me, as a father of toddlers and them watching YouTube, I have seen bad videos. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. Anything that can get them standing up, interacting, dancing, playing, having fun, cheering. I know you and I had a conversation before this where you've got a, a lot of those things going where your content, but kids are getting up screaming, uh, where you kind of do a game element to it. And I, I just think that's a really great way for, for especially the young ones to get engaged and get excited about coming every single week. And it makes it so much easier, I think, in my opinion, for the parents then to say, okay, yeah, we, we got to go back because, you know, little Madeline and little Griffin are, are loving this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, we're going to wrap this up. Final question. I ask every single, uh, every single person that comes on the show. Uh, I'm a huge bookworm, and I find myself reading a lot of different types of books, and I'm looking for book recommendations. So what, what book do you find recommending the most to people, or what's one of your favorite books? Oh, man, I may give you a boring answer here because I'm sure you've read this. But, um, you know, one of the books I keep coming back to over and over and over again is The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. Um, And I know that that's a book that's written for the tech world um, about how to operate lean, how to be really strategic with the way you operate. But um, I'll tell you what, you know, we talked about, you know, our rapid growth as a church and, and how quickly everything is changing. Um, and I think a book like that has been huge in, in helping me understand you know, how we need to structure our team, how we need to manage people and resources. You know, I mean, dude, that book has changed like everything for me. And I think part of it too is, you know, I think that's the culture of our church as well, is we kind of operate almost like a tech company. You know, the guy who's our executive pastor uh, was a consultant and did work with Google before he actually came in to work with our church. And so like, you know, you walk into our offices and it's this big open space. I mean, there's really only a handful of rooms around the perimeter and that's just for executives and accounting and HR, that sort of stuff. But I mean, everybody's in the same space. We've got quirky decor everywhere. I mean, dude, our conference room is this one big space with glass walls around it. And the desk in the middle is this white table that people don't realize doubles as a ping pong table. I mean, when you walk Mm -hmm. in, I can't imagine, uh, like, I feel like if Google were to open a church, it would look a lot like this, like our offices. So um, I think just those values of like, you know, being agile, being flexible, being strategic about how we operate. I mean, that's just, that really describes us as a church. And so, you know, a book like The Lean Startup has just been huge, man. I just love it. Okay. You're going to get me going here because I love The Lean Startup. Uh, (laughs) One of the core concepts in there is develop an MVP. And what fascinates me and you, you mentioned this at the start of the interview, uh, Matt Brown, who's, who started Sandals Church, uh, it was actually founded, I, I believe, in a gym at California Baptist University. Yeah. And if that isn't MVP, <laughs> so MVP stands for Minimal Viable Product, right, where you test things, that's it. And, mm. and one of my favorite mantras <laughs> in the book is work smarter, not harder. All of my uh, employees talk about working smarter, mm. not harder. Uh, and, and I find that so empowering and people really, I, I think, gravitate towards that and validate learning. I mean, just the way you talked about how you are expanding, you're incorporating all of 
the themes of the lean startup. So that's <laughs> everybody listening. Read the lean startup. <laughs> it's great. I highly recommend. It's a great. It's a great book. You know what, Jeremy? I thought you were, you said you were you know back back in your kid days you were trying to be uh, Billy. Billy Bean with the Oakland Athletics. So I thought you were going to say Moneyball. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Billy Bean, I, I have a lot of respect for the guy, but I'm an Angels fan. So we, when you start talking about the Athletics, man, I just <laughs> – Okay. Oh, man. That, I think you may have triggered me a little. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. oh all right. Uh, Jeremy, it was a pleasure. Thank you uh, for spending the time with us today. It was awesome having you on the show, and we'll talk to you again soon. For more ideas or to simply learn more about today's podcast, visit us online at www.playlister.app forward slash podcast.